Good morning. Welcome to Boiling Springs Baptist Church. We are glad that you are here with us today. We're very glad to have Henry Hamrick and Roger Matheson here with us to lead in worship. We're glad that you guys are here and we, we very much appreciate it. We are so glad that each of you have chosen to worship with us at Boiling Springs Baptist this morning. I would invite you to look in your bulletin as we begin our worship today. There is a responsive reading. Um, I will read the non-bold print and then you are invited to respond in the bolded words. Join me as we uh, partake in this call to worship. Climb with Moses up the mountain of God. Climb with Jesus up the mountain of God. Climb with the faithful up the mountain of God. Climb the mountain of God. We have come to see and to worship. Our opening hymn is number 346, Majesty. If you would, please stand and join in singing hymn number 346. for lesson on the steps. You need to just hold on to it for just a minute because we're going to use it. You're first. Will second. Hello, Jude. How are you? Hey, Ledger. Wyatt, can you sit down for just... There you go. Sit right there, Ledger. Hey, Alexander. Some of us today have measuring things in their hands. Levi has a tape measure. Who else has a tape measure? Wyatt has one and Emma, Ella has one. And then Will and Silas and Callan have cups. What do we do with those things? We, we measure. What do we measure? We measure cups. We measure cups or what are we gonna put into cups? Food. Food. Food, that's right, but you know what? We also, and I don't have my, I don't, I bet not many people do anymore. We don't wear wristwatches either, but I have a phone that tells me what time it is. Oh. And that's the kind of measure too. And I got to looking today and I don't have a watch anymore. I depend on my phone. I have a you have a watch and does it tell you what time to go out into the pasture? It does, doesn't it? All right. You take the measure stuff. Well, what do we do with the tape measure? You, you measure things with it and see how long they are. That's right, and you can see how tall you are. And yesterday when we made pizzas, we also measured rice in our cups, didn't we? I didn't. You didn't get to do that. All right, I want to read, I want to read a scripture. I made it. Okay. I made it. You did make a pizza. Did I make a pizza? 
and we decorated cupcakes too, and we put all kinds of stuff on it, didn't we? All right, I want to read something to you, and it's a verse that you all know, and I want you to listen very carefully. John 3, 16. How many of you know what that says? Measure. Measure, okay. It says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Anyone who believes in him will not die, but will have eternal life. I believe God. I know you do, and God loves you, doesn't he? All right, now I want to read another one. This one is Ephesians, and it's way over in the Bible. And it's verse 3, part of verse 18. And I want you to hold your cups and hold your tape measures because it talks about them in this verse. It says, may you know how wide, you can take your tape measure, how long, how high, and how deep is God's love. And we do not know it completely. Can we measure God's love? Yes. No, because when does God stop loving you? No. Does he stop loving you? No. No, he doesn't. So it God don't love you. He doesn't love you anymore. I think he does. Yes, he does, doesn't he? God always loves us. If he didn't, we'd be in trouble. Okay, so if God's love is not measurable, does it ever go away? No. Can we put it in a cup? Can we look at our watch? Yes. You think so? And can we measure it with our measuring stick? Yes. We measure God's love with this? Where does God's love stop? All the way to... It says how high? All the way to your heart. That's exactly right, Wyatt. It stops at the last number. It stops at the last number, but does God's love stop there? No. No, it doesn't. It's never end. Okay. Can can we close with prayer? Can we close with prayer? What do we do? Can you take this back in? Can we put our hands together? Can I tuck this back in? Well, you know what? When we get back to nursery, it won't be in there when we get back there. I know better. All right, hands together. You don't have to close your eyes, but we're going to be what? Praying. Praying, okay. Callan, can we put our hands together? Thank you. Okay. Dear God, we know your love is endless. We can't put it in a cup or measure it with the tape measure. As you look into the hearts of these children and the energy that they have and the love that never stops for you, take care of them, Lord. These are ours that you have given us to teach and to love. Their energy and love is endless. They are beginning their walk. Take care of them, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. For the month of March, we will be emphasizing the North American Mission Offering. You have two ways to give. One is the Annie Armstrong Easter Offering through our North, um, North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. Or you may give through the Global Missions Offering through our Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. You will hear more about each of these in the coming Sundays. Our goal is set at $4,500 and our in-gathering will be held on March 31st. Romans 10, 13 through 15 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? (laughs) 
And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Please be in prayer as you decide on your giving to this offering to those who spread the good news across North America. Thank you. Our hymn is number 156, Shine, Jesus, Shine. If you are able, please stand and join in singing hymn number 156. for the offertory prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we are thankful for so many gifts that you have blessed us with and for your daily guidance and existence in our lives. We are grateful for the rain and especially glad for the sunshiny days. The spring days are busting out with beautiful color and a daily reminder that you are a giving and a loving God. I ask that we, as your children, be active in spreading your word and let our faith and our love for you be shown in our actions to others. Fill our hearts with gratitude and a burning desire to give freely back to you in support of our church and to further your word. In God's name we pray.
a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, I've seen many searching for far and wide but I know we're all searching for answers only you provide cause you know just what we need before we say a word you're a good good father it's who you it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. Cause you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in for being with us this morning. Thank you for leading us in worship. Before I read scripture this morning, I want to remind the church family 
of a season in the church year that takes place that begins this Wednesday. Alan alluded to it or mentioned it this uh, morning as we began our worship service. But it's the season of Lent. And this is not what you pull from your dryer, but this is um, a season of preparation for Easter Sunday. It's a 40-day period that begins this Wednesday with a service or a day that we call Ash Wednesday. Most of your printed calendars, if you look on Wednesday, it will say Ash Wednesday. Typically, Baptists have not been big on celebrating Ash Wednesday, but as a community, we come together to remind, our, remind ourselves that it's from ashes that we came and from ashes that we will return. And um, we remind ourselves uh, of this season of preparation, this season of reflection and introspection, if you will, for uh, Easter. Let me just say that on the front pew, I have several uh, Lenten devotionals. They're 40-day devotionals. Some say Lent and some just say 40-day devotionals. There's, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 there. You're welcome to come down and if you would like to choose something new and begin reading something new, then you're welcome to one of those. Also, I invite you to join with me if you were to accept this challenge. Uh, each year during Lent, I typically give up something or do something new. Maybe it's, a, uh, maybe it's not just giving up something, but maybe you want to do something as an act of service each day during Lent. But in the past, I've given up desserts. I've given up soda or tea, which was a big sacrifice for me. Um, but given up different things, given up the radio in the car one year and put just a tape over it and didn't listen. So every time I was in the car, I would reflect and pray and uh, would use that time to have conversation with the Lord. But this year, and I'm telling you this because many sitting out there behind me in front of me communicate with me through Facebook. But this year, Tuesday night, I'm putting a Facebook message on my page and I will not be on Facebook. I'm taking it off my phone for 40 days. And so if you desire to get in touch with me, if you desire that I know about something, call me, text me, send me a picture of something, but I will not be on Facebook. And so the growing up social class was one of the things in January that led me to make this decision. And so I realized the time, the amount of time total during the day that I might look at something and check some of your statuses and see what you're doing. And yesterday, some of you were building ramps or we were all building ramps together and doing different things. And so it's, a, it's something that we all enjoy. But I would invite you to consider with me what you might uh, either sacrifice or do during this time of preparation uh, for Easter. Before I read scripture, I'm also going uh, pr to pray following scripture, but we have several concerns we need to mention. Bob Blackburn fell on, uh, what's today, Sunday. He fell on Friday, I believe it was, and had surgery just a few hours later for a broken hip at the Shelby Hospital. And so it is there he remains at this hour, but we need to pray for Bob, for John Cannon, who awaits a procedure tomorrow in Shelby, and also for Ernest Hamrick. This is the son of Carolyn, the brother of Carol Hamrick. Ernest is not doing very well at all at this hour. He is in Charlotte, and uh, there are some complications and some things going on there with Ernest, but uh, be in prayer, please, for Ernest as he is struggling at this hour in Charlotte, and for Dol Dolores White as she continues to recover now at home. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. I'm grateful for the music always each week, and um, Candy and I uh, coordinate the scripture and music, and most weeks that goes together perfectly. In other weeks, it's, 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 uh, we, we pick praise songs or we do different things. But the song this morning, Shine, Jesus, Shine, in light of the text uh, that we're about to read, embodies what's about to happen here in this passage. But Luke 9, 28 through 36. About eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to him. They appeared in glory and were speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep, but since they had stayed awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him, just as they were leaving him. Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed him, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent, and in those days told no one of the things that they had seen. Will you pray with me? God, we're grateful for the ways you reveal your identity 
and your presence to all people. As we continue in worship this morning, help us to climb the mountain with you and the disciples, leaving behind our everyday concerns, even if just for a moment. Help us to focus on you alone and show us your glory today, O God. God, as you broke through in the world of your earthly disciples, we pray today that you would break through in the world of your disciples this day. At Bowling Springs Baptist Church, God, show us where your glory is to be found. Not only on the mountaintop, but on the plain among your people to reach out to all who suffer in this world. In all of this, we do experience your power and your glory. Show us, God, how to live our daily lives that we may glorify you in the common task of life. As we lift up the needs of our congregation today, Lord, we do pray for Bob Blackburn. We do pray for John Cannon and for Ernest Hamrick, for Dolores White, for others who struggle this morning, some silently at this hour, some present among us and some not. Father, help us as your people to know how we can respond to the needs around us, whether those needs be physical, emotional, maybe struggles that families have today. Maybe there are some here today, Lord, who are making decisions this week that are, will be important for their future and for their family's future. And Lord, we do pray for wisdom and guidance as they make those decisions. Lord, we're grateful for all those in our community, those who serve and protect, those who defend. Father, bless them with safety and provision. Lord, we do pray that you would lead and guide our country, help your church, your people that are found within this country, Lord, to, to be the people that you've called us to be, to shine a light, at times a light that is countercultural, a light that often leads us to do the tough stuff we talked about last week, which is loving our enemies. God, give us the strength, because it is only in your strength that we can do that. We commit to you today this service, the music, the preaching. May you be glorified and may you draw all people unto yourself. May we, when we leave here today, may we say it's good to have been in the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray, God's people said, amen.
I'm grateful that the joy of the Lord is not circumstantial, nor should it be in our lives. It's not based on uh, the circumstances of our lives, but in amid grief and amid loss and amid the difficulties and trials of this life, that joy can be present even in the midst of such great loss. We've been on a journey the last few weeks. We've been talking about identity, and uh, that's not necessarily going, going to stop, but the series that we've called Identity Crisis is, uh, had stopped, stopped last week, and next week we'll be beginning a new uh, sermon series, God on the Move. Uh, throughout Luke, God, Jesus is always on the move. He's always literally going from one place to the next, but he's also moving through our human experiences and, and our life as well. But one of the things that I want us to do today is to focus for a moment on the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain in Luke 9. We read the passage just earlier, moments earlier, but before we dive back into the passage that I just read, I want us to go back and, and do a little summary. Uh, last week, we uh, looked at Luke 6, some very difficult teachings of Jesus. When he talked about loving your enemies, and if somebody strikes you on your cheek, turn to him the other. If someone takes your coat, give him your shirt. We talked about the the boldness, the, uh, the, the level of commitment that this requires. And it is only through strength in our Lord Jesus Christ and his work in and among us that we are able at times to do what he asks. But before the passage today in Luke 9, verse 28, we read just a few verses earlier some pretty important questions that Jesus asked his disciples. He was up on the mountain praying and they came to him and they asked him, or excuse me, Jesus asked him the question to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they answered, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say the prophets. And then Jesus, as he often does, turns the question to make it very personal. And he asked them the question, but who do you say that I am? A question that's important for us as we begin the journey towards the cross for Easter for Palm Sunday and for Easter Sunday. Who do you, who do we say that Jesus is? Later in verse 23 of chapter nine, where we are today, there's a verse that summarizes again the level of commitment that is required of us or ask of us as well and required of us as, as believers in Jesus Christ. It's a reminder that the good news is good news, but it's not always easy news. And in verse 23, Jesus says, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. So just a few verses after that, Jesus, it says, some eight days after those sayings, he took along Peter, James, and John, and he went up on the mountain to pray. Peter, James, and John were considered among the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. He was closer to these three than any others. These three are found in the Garden of Gethsemane in Jesus' last few hours there before he was arrested. And in verse 29, we're going to go back through what we just read earlier. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face became different and his clothing became white and gleaming. I recall only a few instances in where uh, it wasn't a, a physical glow, and I think my wife would agree with this, that it, it often has happened during ordination services. One in this church, and I'm not going to go into details, that uh, there was a glow about the individual's face. There was a glow about this person's presence on this day that they were ordained. 
I couldn't see it physically like a light as Jesus and the disciples saw and Moses and Elijah this day. But yet there was something different about their countenance. And I, I can't help but think of that as I read that verse. Verse 30, behold, two men were talking with him and they were Moses and Elijah. Wouldn't you have liked to have been there? Wouldn't you have liked to have heard that conversation and what that would have been like? Verse 31, who appearing in glory were speaking of his departure. This word departure has a symbolism or, or a meaning that is similar to the Old Testament term exodus. Jesus is now transitioning in his ministry as we are this morning as a congregation. We've been looking at Jesus's identity in Luke and his focus has been mainly around the region of Galilee. And next Sunday and today, and we're making that transition and next Sunday, we're beginning that journey to the cross with our savior. But things are beginning to change here on the mountain. I don't know how much Peter, James, and John picked up on that. We're gonna talk about that in just a minute. But things are beginning to change. And he said, uh, we're speaking of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now, Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep. Now, this is interesting to me. And obviously, we think maybe this happened at night. Uh, they've been, this is not, uh, won't be the last time, let me say it that way, that they've been known to sleep during important times. But when they were fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. And as these were leaving him, Peter said to Jesus, of course, Peter's the one to talk here, right? Joe, uh, Joe Webb will probably get into some of that the next few weeks. But Peter said to Jesus, master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, not realizing what he was saying. And while he was saying this, a cloud formed. I think we've heard of those before, right? God's presence, cloud, Old Testament, Moses, 10 commandments, and began to overcome, overshadow them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. Then a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Now, a few chapters earlier, we find Jesus at his baptism. We also see this in the other gospels as well. And we hear a voice from the cloud that says, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I am well pleased. And now the message is, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. Jesus has established his identity. And we've, I felt hopefully done that over these last few weeks. And now as we move toward the cross, Jesus and the gospel, the spirit of God is saying to you and me, as well as to Peter, James, and John on this mountain, listen to me, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent, which if you know Peter, that was incredibly hard and reported to no one in those days, any of the things which they had seen. I couldn't help but think of something. I got to share it with you this week because I was studying this passage um, Peter, James, and John, they go up on the mountain. They have this incredible experience with the Lord and Moses and Elijah appear and his face is shown and it's just this wonderful mountaintop experience as the sermon title portrays. And yet it says here, Peter was quiet, which is surprising if you know Peter at all, but they come down from the mountain and I bet, and I, I, it's somewhere in scripture, I just hadn't found it yet, where they, they must have come down and they wanted to tell the other disciples so bad, we know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. Some of you will get that in a minute. Uh, you may have heard that on TV. But something miraculous, something transformative has happened on the mountain. Frederick Biegner, pastor, theologian, author, other titles we could give, says this about the transfiguration. He says, it is, a it is as strange a scene as there is in the gospels. Even with us, something like that happens once in a while as I noted earlier, every once and so often something so touching, so incandescent, so alive transfigures the human face that it's almost beyond bearing. And I ask you congregation this morning, has anything like this ever happened in your life? I can refer back to some opportunities or ministry that I've had. I can refer back to sometimes as a youth, a member of my youth group, when we would go to camp or go on mission trips where it seemed like the presence of God was just tangible. You could just feel it in the air. I mean, it was just so thick. Many of you have had opportunities or experiences like that. I think of uh, particularly a mission trip that we took to Kingston, Ontario with a group of youth from Lyman, South Carolina. 
We crossed the border and uh, Niagara Falls and New York there into Canada and went over into Ontario and into Kingston. And we had a wonderful week. Uh, one of the girls that um, was born and raised, well, partly in Germany and was a member of our youth group, uh, put her faith and trust in the Lord that week. And it was the, the spirit of the Lord was just so strong. And uh, the, the group rejoiced in this decision that she made that week. And it was just a wonderful, transforming opportunity for her. But it may not be a camp or it may not be a mission trip. Some of you maybe not have not had those opportunities. Maybe it wasn't a uh, spiritual or a religious service. With you or with me, let me just share something personal. When Aiden was born, he'll be, man, I can't believe this, a teenager in April of this year. But I remember the day of his birth like it was yesterday. Uh, There was complications with some things, you know, being that he was not normal size. I I guess I can say that. I'm getting a nod. I'll hear about it later if it's not okay. Um, But, you know, there was some complications, so Renee had to have a C-section. But I remember when the doctor said, you know, you you have a boy, or it's a boy, I can't remember exactly what it said, but what he said, but um, we we didn't know what he was going to, you know, boy or girl, we didn't know. And so uh, we were surprised. But I remember, and Renee tells me, I don't remember it like she does, but I just remember almost floating. I remember almost just, uh, you know, because of the complications and because of the way things were, I was just like, and some of you can relate to what I mean there, but there was just this this, this glow, this sense of excitement that was beyond uh, you you got a raise or, or something like that. But there was this sense that life's about to change. Something from this moment forward will be different. And it's different because of what I'm holding in my arms and what I'm seeing and what I'm experiencing. And Renee said I was dancing in the operating room there as, uh, as uh, the doctors told me it was a boy and handed me my son. A moment I'll never forget. But for you this morning, have you had such an opportunity to see the glory of God It may have been in a service. It may have been at a camp or some religious experience, but maybe it was for some of you that have traveled, maybe it was, uh, I'm just picking something here, maybe it was standing on a cliff or a rock in the Grand Canyon on a cloudless starry night and the beauty of God just surrounded you in such a way that you just, it was tangible and you remember it. Maybe it was at, at the beach or maybe it was at the ocean or a lake or somewhere in nature and, and maybe it wasn't all that, um, uh, maybe some things were going on in your life at the time and, and you just looked around to see the beauty of God as it was revealed in nature and something, maybe something in you, at least from that point forward, you knew that something was going to be different. Something was going to change or something had changed in you. Today's passage is one of transformation. This is the hoped for outcome of the church. We are transformed people. We have, we have experienced God and we have experienced salvation. Things will no longer be the same for us on this earth or in eternity. Things are different now when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Transformation of people, of you and I, into disciples of Jesus Christ. And yes, we have experienced good news, but like I said earlier, church, that doesn't mean it's always easy news. The transformation also of the world into the kingdom of God. We often pray, don't we, when offering almost every Sunday, someone will pray, bless these gifts for the use of your kingdom. And they'll something like that. They'll, they'll put that word in there. But God's kingdom is big. It, it, is, it, is, more, it is beyond our comprehension. But yet it is a kingdom that we have been adopted into. It is a kingdom that has transformed our lives. Let me ask you a question, church. How has the good news, again, not always easy news, but how has the good news transformed your life? How many of us are willing to be transformed? Because with transformation comes things that are different. When we experience God in new and fresh ways, he may very well begin to change some things in us and in our lives. And when that happens, sometimes we're caught unprepared. We're not ready for it because we kind of like the way things are. We kind of like our routine and we kind of like those things that are familiar. But when God comes into our lives, when he shows up in new and fresh ways, things change. And if you want transformation, things have to change and things will change as God begins to transform our lives. Let me ask another question. Is the community of Boiling Springs better off because we have been transformed? And as we are being transformed, is this community becoming a better place? 
I want to share something here that uh, I want to say, don't be discouraged uh, to, to say it this way. The disciples, having experienced what they did, you would think that everything would have been different from this moment forward. But if you read ahead in the te- read past where we are today in the text, you'll see in the very next passage of Scripture, the disciples are accused of having weak faith, and Jesus almost rebukes them, almost kind of gets frustrated with them. Then you'll begin to see two of the disciples not, not fully uh, understanding what he means when he's saying he's going to the cross, he's going to Jerusalem, and on the third day he will rise again. They still don't get it. And then they have two arguing about who will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Did what Peter, James, and John experienced on that mountain not totally transform them from that moment forward? And the reason I say don't be discouraged about that is that you and I have some similarities to Peter, James, and John. We have been, some of us, to the mountaintop, if you will. And if the change happened instantly, well, let me say this. I don't think the change happened instantly with Peter, James, and John. Um, it was sort of a, um, it was slow acting, like almost like a time release sort of change, if you will. Something even in these grand moments take their time to sink in. We know something changed on the mountain for Peter, James, and John, and we know something changed for us at that camp or at that experience that we had in nature, or when we began to see God do something in someone's life, we know that things were different. Some things were different instantly, and other things, like I said, were a little bit more of a time release. It took change and transformation. It took place over time, kind of like forgiveness. Sometimes we can forgive instantly, and other times the pain is so deep and hurtful that it simply takes time, and we can't wake up the next day and say that this person is forgiven. But over time, God begins to work, God begins to move, and God begins to do things in us. And the reason I say don't be discouraged is because there is good news, church, as we often refer to, and I often ask many of you, or all of you on Sunday mornings, are you ready for some good news? The gospel that I hope is preached from this pulpit is good news. And how that relates, that good news relates to our story today, Peter, James, and John showed signs that in the coming days after this experience with Jesus on the mountain, that they still didn't get it. But you know what? History tells us about Peter, James, and John. History tells us that they did get it. In Acts, at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came down, and from that moment forward, they got it. They weren't perfect from that point forward, but Peter and John, when they stood before the Sanhedrin and they said, you can tell us not to preach in the name of Jesus, but we're gonna obey God rather than you. They knew their heads could be gone at that very moment, and yet they stood with boldness and proclaimed faith in Jesus Christ. Sometimes transformation happens immediately, and I pray it will for you and I when we have these moments. But more than likely, it's something that's a time release. We begin to realize what has happened in us, and it's something that slowly begins to transform who we are and how we see others and how we relate with others and how we relate with the world around us. There was no plan B for Jesus with the disciples. He knew the bunch that he called. This is Jesus, the Son of God. He knew who he called. And yet, they were flawed, they were imperfect, but yet they went on, we see in Acts and throughout the Gospels, to change the world. They were transformed. Amid their imperfections and their flaws, God did a work in their lives and God did a work through their lives. The good news of the gospel has transformed my life. It's given me hope and a purpose for each day when I wake up of how to serve God here in Boiling Springs. And next August and throughout the year as we serve God, as we talk about Guatemala or India or some other place where we desire to see the people there transformed as well. But not only does he give me purpose in this life each day when I wake up, but he's given me hope for eternity. I know because I've placed my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, as Ellen said earlier when she was reading John three sixteen. And doesn't Ellen sometimes get in a predicament down here? I looked around at the choir, I said, Ellen's on her own. You know, these kids start responding back with theological questions. And I looked at the choir, I said, she's on her own. Um, but the simple message of John three sixteen: God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God gives me hope and a purpose as he transforms me here, but he's also given me that, transform- that hope for eternity as well. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Despite the fact that um, 
that I'm flawed and that I'm imperfect, God can use me for his glory. We see that with Peter, James, and John. They experienced something that you and I, I hope we could experience something like that in our lifetime. We may not see Moses and Elijah illumined and God's glory shining with a physical light. Some of you could, you, some of you may. But my hope is, is that you do see and you do have some opportunities where God shows up in a tangible way. As I talked about earlier, as I wave my hand, I've been in environments sometimes where you can just feel the spirit of God. It just brings you to tears and you don't even know why. You just know that God's there and he wants to do something. He wants to do something in you and in me and in, in his world. And uh, we don't understand it all, but we trust him and we walk in, in, in his ways. We desire to be with his people, to partner with his people, to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you been transformed? Do you know Jesus? We talk about that. I talk about it every week. Talk about, you know, and, and if you know him, let me ask you this. Are you growing in him as a disciple of Jesus Christ? As I said earlier, it is good news. It's great news. But it's not always easy news. Because he asks us to take up our cross and to follow him. He asks us to love our enemies. He asks he ask us to do some things that, to be honest, you and I simply can't do in our own strength. But with his presence in our lives, we can do things beyond what you and I would ever dream. Let's pray together. God, I love you and I thank you for this church and I thank you for their love for you and their desire to know you and grow in you. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here today, Lord, that's simply never been transformed, never experienced what it is to know Christ and to follow Christ, Lord, I pray today they would put their faith and their trust in you for salvation. I pray today they would turn their eyes upon you. Lord, I do pray for each one here. Many uh, here today have put their faith and trust in you, but Lord, things just haven't been growing. Things haven't been moving forward in their relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that today that they would renew their walk with you, that they would seek to, um, to take up their cross and to follow you. Maybe they put their faith and trust in you and just thought that everything would work out fine and that there would be no more troubles and no more hardships and pain in life. But Lord, we know that that's not the case. And God, for those of us today who think we've, we've messed up and we've messed up in such a way that you can't use us anymore, that we just need to kind of be quiet and kind of, you know, kind of play under the, under the curtain here and, and not be that visible or not be that vocal about our faith because we just know that, that things aren't right. We're, we're, we're imperfect people and uh, we don't want the world to, to know that. But Father, remind us, remind everyone here today that could be in that category, Lord, that if you use the people that you used in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, flawed individuals, these disciples who were tripping over themselves at time and putting their, their, their foot in their mouth with things they said and, and their lack of faith, Lord, that you can use us as well today to make a difference in your kingdom. Father, transform us. Do the work of transformation in us. It may happen instantly, but Lord, we always know that it happens over the course of time as well. We love you, God. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and you desire membership at Boiling Springs Baptist Church, I would love to talk with you about that. Uh, we're going to stand and sing an old hymn, a favorite of mine. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Let's stand and sing together. Hymn number 472. <laughs>
sing that with me again without any instrumentation. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I can't speak for you, but I've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> um, as I close, let me remind you that we have a wonderful meal prepared for all who will come and partake. Uh, it's, you don't feel like you need to leave some grand donation, although we will not reject that grand donation. But uh, you come and leave whatever you can, and you enjoy a good meal and some good fellowship and support a worthy cause. And that's uh, the mission work that God is doing in Guatemala. And I'll share a little bit more about that over there at lunch. But please come and join us today. There's a new study that begins on Peter this evening at 5 o'clock with Dr. Joe Webb. We invite you to come and be a part of that. And uh, it wasn't mentioned earlier, but if any basketball playing people are in the audience, Tuesday nights at 7, we have an open gym now for those that just need to get their basketball fix and play a little. And then uh, Wednesday, the beginning of Lent, Ash Wednesday is a service down at Green Bethel Baptist Church at noon. It'll be noon to 12 to 12.30 so you can get back to work or whatever you need to do. And then let me remind you there are some Lenten devotionals. And if you do not receive, if you're a guest here today and you do not receive our newsletter, there are some newsletters down here that will talk about the upcoming sermon series starting next week and moving through Easter. It's good to be in God's house today. Be sure to speak to two or three that you haven't spoken to before you leave and let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your presence in our lives. We're thankful that your glory shows up in ways at times in our lives that brings about transformation. As we leave this place today, Lord, help us to do what the hymn said, to turn our eyes upon you, to put the things of the world aside, and to allow you to, to do what you will in us and through us. We love you, Father. Help us to leave now as your church on mission. Lord, we ask for your blessings on the food as well that we are about to partake. So we can go ahead and begin as soon as we leave this place. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.